In a world where good news is hard to find, WAVA and One Heart DC present Good News for the City. We're here to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what his body, the church, is doing to spread this good news in the Washington, D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. As Jesus said in John 17, Father, that they may be one just as we are one. Welcome to Good News for the City. The gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Good News for the City, the radio broadcast ministry partnership between WAVA Radio and One Heart DC, right here on Life Changing Talk Radio, 105.1 FM, WAVA. My name is Dennis Williams. I'm director of ministry for WAVA Radio, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. Folks, today on Good News for the City, we're going to talk about a church plant in Virginia that operates in a very unique way. Isn't it exciting to see all the different ways the body of Christ operates in an effort to to reach all people for Christ and meet the spiritual needs of their community? The gospel is indeed for everyone. And we're going to talk about that. And to get us going, of course, you know the drill. To get us going, my good friend, my buddy, my co-host of Good News for the City, the right reverend, well, okay, pastor, Brian Bales. Yeah, there you hey, go. Hey, buddy, how are you, man? I'm doing well. Thanks, man. All right. I don't know if you've ever found yourself uh, watching a, a television show that's a series. Uh, I, don't, I don't watch a lot of TV that much anymore, but the types of shows that I really enjoy when I watch are the types of shows that when I watch a singular episode, they stand on their own. Yeah. However... Yeah. If I've been watching the series, there's a lot more depth I get from that episode because I know the larger part of the series story. You say, why am I telling you this? Because why this are you is telling me this. Well, thank you for saying that, Dennis, because this is a little <laughs> plug to go back to our podcast, actually, Amen. because Amen. Uh, today we're going to be talking again to someone who it, the story can stand on its own. But if you know a little bit greater part of the story, it'll take some deeper significance, kind of like Amen. one of those television Amen. series. Yes. And so if you're a listener for Good News of the City all the time, I do encourage you uh, to go to our, our Web page and look up uh, Episode 90, where we talk to Pastor Chris Eads um, about his story, because today we have him back to kind of do a chapter two of the story. And so let me tell you a little bit about Chris. If you didn't listen to the last episode, which I know they'll go back and listen to, but Absolutely. just for this day. Probably headed there now. That, well, you wouldn't want them to do that now. <laughs> well, you know, unless they're podcasting, they can stop and come sure, back. But if it's sure. live, you stay yeah, right here with stay us. Stay right here. All right, but. Chris has a day job in the aeronautical industry, coordinating experiential outreaches all over the country, serving pilots. But he also serves on the teaching staff here at Christian Fellowship Church, where I have a chance to serve as a lead pastor in Ashburn, Virginia. And recently, the call of God was on his life again to to take a, a different step in what it is to do ministry and to plant a church in Leesburg, Virginia. It's called the Imperfect Church. In fact, uh, people go, well, that's an odd name. I believe it's frankly the most descriptive name of a church ever because all of us are imperfect people. And you can find out more about that at uh, www.theimperfectchurch.com. We'll mention that again later. But prior to, to his role here as a teaching pastor and in the launching pastor of theimperfectchurch.com, uh, he served as a founding pastor of another church in North Virginia. Recently, uh, he did become married. We talked about that in the last show. His wife, Sherry, is blessed with two young adult daughters now. 
Um, but today, Chris, uh, we're going to pick up a little bit where we left off in that way about how God began to work in your heart specifically to be a church planner again. In our story, I know if we've talked about it, you felt like God specifically told you something about a church that he wanted you to plant and said it still hasn't happened yet. Was that that moment where the new church plant, the imperfect church, became the thought beyond a thought to, hey, I need to be doing this? Or what was that moment? Yeah, actually, it was it was you. Years and years ago, seven, eight years ago, I was in the midst of going through a divorce, which we talked about in last week's episode. But the the journey there, just at the very beginning of the process of trying to make sense of what had been a very life-altering and, and disorienting experience in life, I heard the Holy Spirit very distinctly say, you know, I've called you to plant a very specific type of ministry in our, in our community, and you still owe that to me. Now, I didn't know at the time, but what I was in the middle of going through in the, in the years of recovery and healing and counseling and therapy, all stuff we talked about last week, that, that all of that was a part of the foundation that God was pouring in, you know, the, visualized pouring the concrete into a foundation for what was going to be this ministry that I could have never envisioned back there in the, in the story of pain. I could not have envisioned what God was going to be doing with us here in the future. But it was the seed that led to this thing that we're calling the imperfect church. Now, this is not new information to anyone who's a human being. None of us are perfect. Yep. Right. We know that, but it's not necessarily something that we like to lead to, right? I, I don't come up to you and say, Dennis, hi, my name is Brian and I'm an imperfect person. That'll become obvious once you get to know me pretty fast, but that's usually not what we lead with. So what's interesting is, is that you've called yeah. the, the title, so to speak, of this church, the imperfect church. And so that's an interesting lead. It's, it's a headlining message that, that everyone will agree to intellectually, but they probably don't introduce themselves. Hi, we're the Imperfect Church. Glad that you're here yeah. uh, in that way. Talk a little bit about the emphasis then on being imperfect and why that's important for the mission God's called you on. Yeah, it's certainly not for us to glorify imperfection, right? So we're not bragging that, hey, we're, we're messed up folks. It's just to acknowledge a reality. Because mm-hmm. I think one of, the, one of the great problems that we have in modern evangelical Christianity is I think we have a tendency, because of our love for the Lord, our love for Scripture, our love for holiness, um, that we tend to want to present ourselves when we're around our brothers and sisters in Christ, when we're in the church. We want to present ourselves as having it all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You think about it. When you walk in on Sunday morning— yeah. How you doing, brother? Oh, I'm great. Praise God. You know, and yeah, their their life can be a complete country song. Their marriage is falling apart. Their trucks died. Their dogs died. And everything. They they walk their into the church. Their shoulders. Yeah, they, they they walk into a church building. You ask them how they're doing, and oh, they will complete. Praise God. Right? Yeah, they'll tell you the opposite. Yeah, exactly. And and so part of it for the believer is for us to lead with the reality that apart from the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, we're all an absolute train wreck. Right. Mm-hmm. But the other part of it is for the non-believer, the person who's out there in the community who believes in God. I mean, the number of non-believers I've talked to, non-Christians, so to speak, uh, that say they believe in God, is it's a pretty high percentage. But the next word out of their mouth is, and I want nothing to do with the organized church, because they perceive us as unapproachable, they perceive us as holier than thou, because we do this whole mask of everything's great on Sunday mornings, and they're going, ah, it's not so great in my life. You know, yeah. everything's not all buttoned up. And so to lead with that, to say to the believer, hey, let's stop pretending. Let's practice confessional community as a, as a group of believers to just own our stuff openly. Uh, and then to the non-believer to say, and yeah, and we're just like you and come on in. Now, we put a tagline with this. Sure. The, you know, the imperfect church, the name of the church, but the tagline is, 
imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. Yeah. Because what we're not doing is glorifying imperfection and just say, hey, let's just sit here in, in, in the mud and just enjoy being here. We are in pursuit of a perfect God who can bring about transformation in our lives. But it starts with honesty and admitting this is where we are. We are starting from a point of imperfection, and we need God's Holy Spirit to do a transformative work in us. I believe there's something powerful, too, when it's not only just spoken, but it's lived out that as we as people who are pursuing a perfect God, we help other people understand we've not arrived we're actually on the journey with other people. We may be in a different place on the journey, but we're still journeyers. Yeah. And there is clearly, as a pastor, I know this, as a pastor, you know this, Dennis, you know this, as a pastor for many years, this sort of tension between what people perceive the church to be by alike because people do come in and they, they put on what I like to call the Jesus smile, act like everything is perfect, and then they know their own life. Like, I'm not that way. I can't connect that. Or even worse, they know people who are Christians, have the jersey of Christian, that act perfect in this one environment on Sundays, specifically, usually yes. Sunday morning yes. at 930 yes. or 11 o'clock or whenever the church that they attend has worship services. Yet, when they get out into the rest of their life, the Monday through Saturday, it's far from perfect and it's really obvious right. and it makes it seem very hypocritical, right? Yeah. And so for you, as you've looked at this, and you've been a part of, uh, I'll use the term traditional church model. Right. I don't mean that disparaging. That's just a sure. way to describe sure. uh, a, a, a pretty classic way of doing church is how we do it here at Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn, is that there is a communal gathering, usually on a Sunday or one day of the week, where the church comes together uh, and they have services and they, they worship. and they do it. It's a pretty weekly routine to do it in that manner. You've been a part of that for most all of your life, your church one, right? Yeah. Yet, as as you think through as what God is calling you to do and to do something a, a little bit different, talk about how you feel like God is laying your heart to, to approach it in a way that isn't the traditional way, right. so to speak. And, and, and to your point, not disparaging at all other models. And yeah, of no. course, you know, Brian, I serve here with you at CFC where we're doing it in, in the traditional way. But we want to experiment with uh, practicing life as believers in the most simplistic way that we can. A format that is focused on almost entirely the relational environment and, and to do so to have the least amount of overhead structure and large programs and budgets and facilities and all the things that, that often consume a lot of our energy in church and to really focus ourselves on a very simplistic model where we're gathering in a large worship service only one time a month. Mm -hmm. So the production responsibilities for that, the worship teams, the tech teams, all the things that go into building a, you know, a large gathering. We're only doing that one time a month, uh, second Sunday night of every month right now. And then the other weeks, we're simply in home gatherings, home groups, small gatherings in homes, where in that context, we practice all the elements of what it means to be a church. So it's real simplistic. There's not a lot of overhead. There's not a lot of structure. There's not a lot of volunteerism of tasks that need to be fulfilled, mm -hmm. all of our energy is reserved for the one-to-one -one relationship, the group relationships. You know, our time and energy is spent on, hey, we need to go visit so-and-so in the hospital, or we need to get some money together for this, this single mom who's in need, or let's just sit around and talk about the stuff that's going on in our lives. And so we're finding that to be really, really an exciting journey of um, practicing faith in the most simplistic form we can. So when you say a healthy church will be simple, is that what you mean by that, what you just said? Yeah. You know, we talk a lot about in, this, in our suburban culture, our lives are so busy. Mm -hmm. And one of our values says that, that church should not be adding burden to an already 
you know, tapped out suburban life. Right? Mm-hmm. So what we want to do is keep the the functions of the church simple enough that you know we invest some quality time. And when we do get together once once a week on Sunday nights, it's you know for a couple hours, right? Sure. So we're not we're not being short with it. Right? We're spending quality time together. But that's the only structured gathering. So the rest of the week is free for you to engage in your community, engage in relationships outside the church, engage in more micro gatherings with believers inside the church where it's all just living level stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So that's helping us out quite a bit. So let's launch on that. When you use the term micro gatherings, um, I think there's a lot of different other terms that people use for that. Small groups, mm-hmm. life groups, community groups, micro gatherings. For you particularly, though, um, if you go, and I hope people will go to the imperfectchurch.com, check out what's going, especially if they're out in Loudoun County. I believe it's, it's a great place to uh, to connect and to grow in your faith uh, and, and to see what really God means when he talks about church. It's not programs. It's people right. executing his mission. And, and you and I are on the same page. We, we know that when you talk about micro gatherings or small gatherings or whatever term you would use being the core of your church that's not i think particularly radical in hearing it i think it's probably much more radical in the execution because a lot of people give eh, we 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 give verbal affirmation to something but maybe don't follow it up with our feet talk about what you mean by that and dive a little deeper yes we're certainly not the first group to suggest that you can have either a church that has small groups or be a church of small groups, that's not a new idea to us, right? But we're actually, literally, that's all we're doing. You know, we're, we're being the big church once a month, and then the other three weeks of the month, the church is a home church. It's a home gathering. And yeah. so typically it's, you know, 15, 20 folks, uh, and, and we meet in a living room. And the, the, one of the key dynamics, part of why we've put it on Sunday night instead of Sunday morning, is that we have dinner together. That's the starting point. We have a potluck dinner together every week in the home and that space of building relationship and just chit-chatting and talking about your life and what's going on in your day-to-day experiences all of that is really important to building towards that biblical concept of fellowship mm-hmm. where our lives are intertwined together right and from a practical aspect do you find that when someone considers building into the rhythms of their life it's easier so to speak and, and this is a little bit off uh, maybe subject but easier for them to to build in a Sunday a month for a longer period of time than several Sundays in shorter periods of time so that it's more meaningful when they gather. Well, yeah, and in in our case, actually, everybody is committing mostly to every Sunday. It's Mm -hmm. just in the big gathering once a month and the other weeks in the small gathering, and it's at the same time. Okay. So your rhythm is the same, right? And so where it's different than a lot of traditional churches, you know, like even here at CFC, we have the Sunday morning large gathering and then in addition to that, we encourage you to also go to a community group or a small group, which could be an additional night out or, or another couple hours sure. on the weekend. And so in this context, we're saying, okay, let's literally, let's make it just one time a week that we're getting together for a couple hours. And then what that frees us for is we've done both large gathering and small gathering on that same rhythmic cycle every week. And now all your midweek evenings, all your free time that you have the rest of your week can be in more one-to-one conversations, can be in community outreach where you go get involved in your in your kid's soccer league and be a part of those relationships, whatever whatever it be. We're, we're purposely saying the church as a corporate gathering isn't going to eat up more time than we have to give. Right. But when we'll spend that time in real quality depth. Got it. 
Okay. Well, I want to make sure the people that were listening, they were grasping that difference of what you're saying. Yep. Because, again, because we've become so indoctrinated, so yep. to speak, with this traditional model, again, not trying to be disparaging to that, that sometimes when we present something that is different, it, it's just hard for us to get our, to get our heads around it, sure. right? Uh, and I believe that God's doing some amazing things in this way. When you go to the website, again, there, there's many things that you'll talk about there about how you're designed and, and how you want to work. But part of that also as well are some core things that drive you, you know, values. And, and you have many of them, but there are two that I'd like to just have you expand on a little bit if you could. The first is this idea that transformation of life is real. Now, our friendship's gone by long enough that I think I'm pretty sure I know what you're talking yeah, you know about. For, for those people who don't, don't know, let's talk about that. All right. So we are radically imperfect people. Yeah. The biblical definition of that, we're all sinners, right? And we get that. But it, as God extends enormous grace to us, mercy, God meets us there. God's not interested in just giving us grace to hang out in that mud pit and just stay there. He wants to bring about change. But here's the problem. We hear that. We read teachings in Scripture about you know conforming to the image of Christ. We hear things about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, those kinds of things. And then most of us, what we do is we turn and we make it about our now, now our responsibility to muscle up some kind of human behavior modification, which doesn't work mm-hmm. because the sin nature is what's keeping us from being Christ-like in the first place. So we can't muscle up our own change just out of a you know a new resolution, new new willpower. What has to happen is God, the Holy Spirit, has to do a miracle of transformation of our heart and our mind and our will. And when God does that, the transformation is real. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the foundational doctrines of our church, which you know any Christian church is going to believe this, that the Holy Spirit is the one who brings about transformation, the big biblical term, sanctification. Mm-hmm. Right? God, the Holy Spirit, does this. But we're actually really slowing down saying, no, wait a minute, that's the only way it gets done. Don't try to muscle up a human behavior modification. Put your energy into seeking the heart of God for his miraculous work in your story. And that's freeing for people who are hearing this because we have a tendency, whether we know it or not, to think that transformation is our responsibility. And when we actually meet people, say there's no way that I can transform, really if we break that down, there's no way that I could transform ourselves. And that's right. true. We can't. I can't change But the myself. God of the universe that spoke everything into being still is on the throne and still has the power to transform every human life. It's just turning it over. So that's this really important thing that transformation of life is real Let, let's talk about the second one then god has created every human with a specific glory yeah. what does that mean all right so you were created in the image of god every one of you uniquely we were all created with a very unique uh part of god's glory the word glory in scripture mm-hmm. uh comes from a from a root word doxa which means the full identity of someone the fullest who they are right so god in all of god's glory is god revealed god unmasked so God has created in every one of us something that is uniquely glorious. It is our unique identity. Things are attached to that are things like our spiritual gifting, our calling, uh, the unique position in life that we have to influence other people. This even includes our imperfections and our failures. God is not surprised by the train wrecks that you've had in your life. I right? know. I, this is pause that. I Chris, will you repeat that yeah. just so people can hear that? It's okay. really important. Well, because I think a lot of us, we feel a lot of shame. We make right. a mistake. It could be a really big thing. And we talked last week about the, the journey of divorce that I went through. That was incredibly embarrassing and brokenness for, for both me and my ex, right? So we – but God's not caught by surprise in that. When Ephesians chapter 1, when he says that he chose you to be adopted as his son or his daughter before the foundation of the world, you know what that means? 
before all of time began, God was looking forward into your story, which means he saw every bit of it, the good, the bad, the ugly, the successes, the failures, the sins, the righteousness. Mm-hmm. He saw it all and said, I want you, and I'm choosing you, and I'm creating you with a specific destiny and purpose that includes your failures and brokenness. Yeah. Right? Because he's not surprised by it, and he's got really big shoulders to handle it. So what he will do, this is where Romans 8.28 comes in, that he will work all things for the good. So he is going to take those broken places in our journey, and he is going to leverage them for a mission, for an outcome, for uh, the ability to reach other people, for the ability to have a ministry that's relevant. That's really what he's done in, in, in Sherry and I's journey with this imperfect church concept. We're both coming into our, our you know, not our first marriages, and we're coming with brokenness and baggage and so forth, and, and God's using us in a way to impact people that might otherwise feel intimidated by the mm-hmm. church because, hey, we're just we're busted up people that are learning together how to find God's grace and mercy. And that's the case for all of us, that our, yeah. our unique stories become important parts of our missional calling. I think uh, there's something powerful when uh, we see the light of Jesus reflecting off people and we see their story and we say, well, that – that, that doesn't make sense. They're blank, and we can fill in the blank, whatever. And we see that, much like the moon reflects the sun, so to speak, that when people see you or see Sherry, that sort of stuff, there's something about that's the reflection of Jesus Christ. But when they're attracted to you, then you're able to go, no, 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 this, this reflection, it, this isn't us. Yeah. Uh, the light isn't us. The light's Jesus, right. you know, in, in coming off. Doing anything new has an aspect of excitement to it. Most lead pastors that I know like new things, like the challenge of something new. Uh, but I said challenge of something it's new. It's hard work. It, it is. Yeah. What are some of the challenges in, in trying this differently? Well, I think you alluded to it earlier, is getting folks' minds around it. That this mm-hmm. is a different thing uh, in terms of style and approach and so forth. But what we're also finding is, you know, it takes a person a week or two hanging out with us to figure out what this is really about. And then as they do, like, wow, this is really cool. Mm-hmm. This is very different, but it's also very freeing and very empowering and inspiring. So um, that's part of what we're trying to do in keeping the uh, the context simple. You know, there's not a lot of, there's not as much heavy lift to build an organization. It's the real heavy lift is, okay, I need to now get involved in your life. That can be scary for people because I can't hide behind anonymity. I can't hide behind a role. I can't hide behind a program. We really have nothing else to do but know each other and yeah. walk in each other's stories. So vulnerability and those kinds of things can be very challenging for folks that are maybe not quite ready to have to face their story with other people. Mm-hmm. But it's also the opportunity to know that when my story comes out, I'm accepted and I'm yeah. loved in the midst. Yeah. But there's some exciting things there. Yeah. Now, for someone, this is something that we often do as we uh, close up a show. For someone who's listening uh, right now and and they're connecting and, and they yeah. realize they, yeah, I'm imperfect. That yeah. part I got, yeah. Yeah. Um, just like the rest of us. But they feel they're too far gone. Would you encourage them? Oh, absolutely. You know, there there is no sin that is outside of God's reach, no sin that has surprised Amen. him. Yeah. Nothing about your story has caught him. Go back before the foundation of the mm-hmm. world. He Amen. selected you. He Amen. chose you to be a son and daughter in, in Christ, to adopt you into his family. And that concept of adoption, yeah, you're you're far gone. Absolutely. You're way out there in the cold. He wants to bring you in. He wants to adopt you. He wants to bring you into the family of Christ. As a believer, he wants to heal and restore you. Uh, So, yeah, there's nothing too far gone in any of us. Yeah. And if you want to know more about Chris and his story and Sherry and her story, but more importantly about the passion that God's put in their life uh, to launch 
uh, a church uh, in the Leesburg Loudon County area, you can go to www.imperfectchurch.com. No, That's the imperfect. The church. imperfect. Real I said it really, really impractical. I didn't say that well. There, if you don't put the the in there, you'll get another church in New York. That yeah. Same name. Again, that, this isn't our. That's a long commute. Yeah. Uh, that's a long <laughs> commute. But the t h e imperfectchurch.com. Theimperfectchurch.com. You heard it here. The imperfect church. Dot com. Chris, when I first heard that, the thing I thought about was a, a book I read years ago and actually taught through, preached through by John Ortberg. Yeah. And the title is Everybody's Normal. Yeah. Till you get to know them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody, one of the chapters is everybody's got a mat. Yeah. Take up your mat. You're healed, right? Right. And so, man, I love that, man, because I'm an imperfect dude. I know that's hard for you, Brian. I know it's hard for you, brother, but I'm an imperfect dude. But man, God bless you. Thank you so much. I just met this, this, this young pastor. Um, and I love him. He's a friend already. I can tell. And I'm grateful for what God has done and is doing through he and his wife, Sherry. So thank you, brother. God yeah, bless you. If you want to hear this guys. again and you should, by the way, um, go to goodnewsforthecity.com, goodnewsforthecity.com or oneheartdc.org. That's oneheartdc.org. Or you can go to WAVA dot com keyword excuse me keyword good news wava.com keyword good news look on our podcast or you can do it the old-fashioned way call me at wava 703-807-2266 folks thank you for joining us god bless you see you again next week and remember it's the gospel that makes a way Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership, movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of Good News for the City, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help bring unity to Bible-believing people and churches in order to multiply our impact in our city, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more at goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can go to wava.com keyword good news. Or you can call us at 703-807-2266. 703-807-2266. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way.